Hello everyone, and welcome to episode 1 of Primem's Playlist Season 3. My name is Prim, and just like last time, I'll be analyzing 5 underrated Korean songs and recommending them based on your taste in K-pop. Long time no see, huh? It's been, what, a couple months since last episode? I gotta say, I'm really glad to be back. Before we start the episode, I have some exciting news, and no, it's not just the change in background music. Primum's playlist is now a proud member of BrainRot Presents. BrainRot Presents is a podcast network dedicated to creating inclusive and accessible podcasts covering a broad range of topics so everyone can find something that fits their own BrainRot. Alongside Primum's playlist, BrainRot Presents also distributes a long-form media commentary podcast called Lukewarm Takes, and it has a retro-futuristic sci-fi narrative podcast called Nemesign currently in production. I'm super excited to be podcasting alongside these awesome people, and to all my first-time listeners here from BrainRot, welcome aboard! Because I'm part of BrainRot Presents now, I wanted to take my podcast to the next level, so there's also going to be some format changes. Don't worry, I'm not getting rid of anything. Every episode still has the five-song themed playlist, the Sora film song, and the Wheel of Segments. But now, every four episodes, starting with this one, I'm also going to conduct an interview. I'm planning to use these interviews to either promote independent musicians, or get a deeper look into the K-pop fandom and its associated communities. It'll depend on the guest. I've got some really interesting interviewees lined up for this season, so I hope you all enjoy this little change in direction. There's also going to be two special segments exclusive to BrainRot's Patreon donors. In one of them, I'll be giving my opinion on K-pop-related news. If you follow my Twitter at PlaylistPrim, you know I have a lot of opinions on K-pop news, so I felt that making a segment where I can dive a little deeper was a good choice. The second special segment is called Debut Review, where I'll take a look at a recently debuted artist or group, often from a lesser-known entertainment company. It's pretty similar to my usual content, but with extra focus on whole group elements like member roles and overall concept. Remember, these two segments are only available on Patreon, so if you're interested, check out www.patreon.com slash brainrot underscore prsnts. Alright, that's enough updates for a lifetime. Let's talk about today's theme. Today we'll be looking at K-pop songs inspired by city pop. According to Wikipedia, city pop is a form of late 70s to 80s Japanese pop music, which draws from western genres such as soft rock, funk, jazz fusion, and disco. City pop isn't actually that strict of a genre, and it's been referred to in Rolling Stone magazine as a broad vibe classification, quote-unquote, which makes my job both easier and harder, to be honest. Notably, city pop has had a bit of a renaissance lately, due in part to the YouTube algorithm picking up singer-songwriter Maria Takeuchi's song Plastic Love, now arguably the most well-known city pop song, but also due in part to its importance to sample-based music genres such as Vaporwave. To bring it back to K-pop, there's been a huge retro-revival or neutro movement in K-pop recently, with tons of popular artists releasing songs based on disco and synth-pop. Dynamite by BTS and I Can't Stop Me by TWICE come to mind. Granted, there were K-pop artists releasing city pop prior to the 2020s, think Lady by Yubin or Yukika's entire discography, but it's no surprise that it's been coming back hard with the neutro trend. So, in true Primum's playlist fashion, we'll be looking at some recently released and seriously underrated K-pop songs that draw inspiration from city pop. Wow, I've been talking for way too long. Let's pull up the playlist already! Our first song today is Organic Love by Poetry featuring Youngjin of Brown Eyed Soul, currently at 4,500 views on Genie Music. Given the song's name, some theorize that this is a direct tribute to Maria Takeuchi's Plastic Love. And it's not just the name. Musically speaking, there are some key elements to organic love that are clearly inspired by Takeuchi's hit song on a deeper level than just trappings of a genre. 
The best example of this is the intro to the song. The chords are being played using a similar synth and at nearly the same rhythm as they are in the intro to Plastic Love. That being said, Organic Love isn't a ripoff or a copy. It has its own feel to it, eschewing the orchestral strings of Plastic Love for a more electric piano and deep bass drum vibe. Combined with the slower tempo and quieter vocal timbre, Organic Love clearly draws inspiration from R&B, and arguably even synth pop considering the bass drums. Though I obviously recommend Organic Love to people who love Maria Takeuchi's Plastic Love, I also recommend it to fans of slower and more chill city pop K-pop songs, especially ones that fuse genres with ballads and R&B. Some examples that come to mind are Where Are You by CLC, Sweet Girl by B1A4, and Say Something by Twice. The first adds ballad elements, the second R&B, and the third is just generally chill. So if you're looking for something along those lines, definitely check out Organic Love. How about song number two? Next on the playlist is Afterlife by Space Cowboy featuring Ohyo, with 6.5k views on Genie Music. Space Cowboy has actually been involved in a lot of city pop inspired K-pop before, such as I Can't Let You Go by Muzi and Midnight by Kim Arum. This song, interestingly enough, starts off dark and almost creepy, with echoing and meandering singing, ambient noise, and a droning chime melody on top. It almost tricks you into thinking it won't be a city pop song, but then the percussion and lead synth kick in, and yeah, you can hear why it's on this playlist. Actually, the combination of that sharp lead synth, the droning chimes, and the other synth elements give it unique, futuristic vibes that you don't always hear in city pop, especially since it's a genre that often utilizes orchestral and brass instruments. Alongside the futuristic vibes, the dark and meandering tone of the instrumental persists throughout the whole song. This is largely due to a combination of Ohio's vocal style, a bass-heavy instrumental, and some seriously crunchy chords. It very much feels like if City Pop went cyberpunk, which, looking at the music video and album cover, seems to be what Space Cowboy was going for. The crunchy chords and meandering vocals in Afterlife give it an almost detuned sounding quality that reminds me a lot of Anne New by ID, a soloist who specials in Neutro, City Pop included. Additionally, Afterlife's synth-heavy and futuristic take on City Pop can be heard to an extent in Lady by Yubin, another soloist who's been taking on Neutro for a while. I suppose it makes sense that the more out-there aspects of this song are mirrored in longtime Neutro performers. While an artist releasing just one retro revival track may feel pressured to stick closely to the genre, those who work with this genre a lot have more incentive to play around or subvert that genre, you know? So if you like how artists like ID and Yubin mess around with the expectations of retro revival, or if you're looking for a more chill and groovy take on cyberpunk aesthetics, I'd highly recommend Afterlife. Song 3, please. Our third song today is Empty by Sonsia, which currently has about a thousand views on music and new. Unlike our previous two songs, which were very much city pop with other genre inspirations mixed in, I would personally consider Empty to be an R&B track with some city pop elements, at least during its introduction. This is mostly due to the more strictly R&B vocal style and bassline. Ironically, the most prominent of the city pop elements used in this song are orchestral and brass band samples, something neither of our previous entries included. That being said, I think that Empty blends these two genres seamlessly. The horns definitely add a lot of oomph building up to the chorus, while the strings help fill out the instrumental during more intense sections of the song. Plus, one can't deny that there are already R&B elements in city pop to a certain extent, especially when it comes to tempo and percussion style, 
so they're genres that are really meant to go together. When I think of more mainstream R&B meets city pop releases, my immediate first thought is Yesterday by Yukika. Of course, the song still leans a lot more towards city pop, but I still think it fits well. Actually, now that I think about it, Empty is a lot like if Yesterday by Yukika got mashed up with Playboy by EXO. Playboy doesn't really have city pop elements, but it's got the same flavor of R&B as Empty, like if you were at a restaurant and ordered Empty but said hold the city pop, you'd get Playboy by EXO. So if you're into Playboy and Yesterday, check out Empty. How about song number four? At a thousand views on Music and You, our fourth song today is Love Me by Here. This is probably the least city pop-like song on the playlist, incorporating just a few pieces of city pop into its varied mix of different sounds. We start off with a peaceful synth chime and piano melody accompanied by soft singing, which then cuts into acoustic guitar and slow percussion. This is where the city pop elements start to come in, mostly in some soft electric guitar noodling towards the end of the first chorus, and the particular flavor of electric piano during the second verse. I gotta say, one of my favorite parts of Love Me is the instrumental after the first chorus, where it quiets down and adds a chiptune-inspired synth melody. Probably the farthest part of the song from City Pop, but it really gives it its own flavor, you know? Honestly, recommendation-wise, Love Me is pretty similar to Every Day I Need You by Vivi and Jinsoul from Luna. Every Day I Need You is also a combination of various influences, with some city pop in there, honestly, more so than Love Me. Also some acoustic guitar, and heck, even chiptune, almost, with that one bright flute sound. So if you like Every Day I Need You, give Love Me a listen. Let's hear song 5. Fifth on the list is Spring Again by Lee Siyun at 7k views on Happy Face Entertainment and 3k views on Super Sound Bugs. In contrast to the last song on the list, this is probably the most strictly city pop song on today's playlist. We start off strong with a soothing and upbeat melody played by an electric piano, with 80s style drums and a guitar adding rhythm in the background. This instrumental style is kept relatively consistent throughout the song, with orchestral strings and a descending chime sound effect being added at the first chorus and at the post-chorus. What's interesting about this song, though, is the vocal melody and mixing which is a bit more dramatic and clearer than you'd expect from City Pop, which usually has more upbeat, poppy vocal lines with softer mixing. The vocals in Spring Again remind me a lot of ballads and OSTs, which, not so coincidentally, has been the majority of Lee Seun's work up to this point. To me, Spring Again makes me think of a cross between the up-tempo ballad stylings of Singing Got Better by Ailee and the strict City Pop of Days Gone By by Day 6 and Neon by Yukika. It's almost like if someone took the vocals from Singing Got Better and mashed them up with the instrumentals of the other two songs, if that makes sense. So if you're an Ailee fan looking to listen to some city pop, or a retro revival fan who wants something with a bit more drama, give Spring Again a try. Last but not least, let's hear our Sore Thumb song. Our Sore Thumb song today is David by Soto, which currently has 3,800 views on Genie Music. The song starts out with ambient synth pads, almost wintry sounding accents, and Soda's voice providing most of the rhythm, which at this point of the song is floaty and meandering. Once the first verse comes in, we're hit with lo-fi inspired percussion and some extra backing vocals. The rhythm solidifies here into fast triplets, maybe even a 12-8 time signature. Y'all know I like my triplets, so this is definitely exciting to hear. Later on, in the chorus and second verse, we get a little bit of guitar and some sparkling chimes. 
and the final chorus adds in a rhythmic synth that almost evokes future bass, like in Always Find You by Yuri or Like This by Pentagon. In terms of vocal style, Soto definitely takes inspiration from blues music, particularly in the way he slides between pitches and increases in volume just a little bit after he hits each note. This is easiest to hear in the second pre-chorus. Definitely a unique mix of musical influences. I'd recommend David to anyone who likes Microcosmos by BTS or X by Chungha. The introduction to Microcosmos has some ambient elements that remind me of David, and the fast rhythm in the background of its chorus reminds me of the future bass-ish synth in David's final chorus. X, on the other hand, combines some ambient elements with slightly more bluesy composition. Plus, all three songs are in that triplety, 12-8 time signature beat that I mentioned earlier. That's actually usually associated with much more energetic songs like Kill This Love by Blackpink and Audios by Everglow. So if you're looking for more chill music with this beat, along the lines of X and Microcosmos, David is perfect for you. Now that we've heard the whole playlist, let's interview today's guest star. Before we get into this part of the podcast, I do want to place a quick trigger warning. We talk a bit about abuse, death, and suicidal ideation in this interview. If these themes bother you in any way, absolutely feel free to skip this section. Without further ado, let's jump into the interview. I'm not gonna lie, I'm super excited to bring you all the first ever Primems playlist interview. As I said at the start of today's episode, one of the things I want to do with these interviews is promote underrated indie musicians. And well, I'm here today with an incredibly interesting artist. Coming straight from the world of a narrative podcast called The Ember Witch Saga, Today's guest is the podcast's narrator, as well as a musician and an ancient android. Introducing Rose. How are you doing today, Rose? I am doing great. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. Great to hear that you're doing well, too. So, let's cut to the chase. Can you tell my listeners a little bit about your latest album? I don't really consider it an album. Both my girlfriend Ember and I create EPs. We do this for a few reasons. One being that our version of a full-length album includes all of the story that we are telling. What we do is pull all of the episodes of the Ember Witch Saga together so that when we release a full album it is a fully realized story. Normally full-length albums range from 9 to 10 songs, maybe more. However, for us we want to create an experience worth remembering. So how long would your album be then, compared to your EPs? Our full-length albums will consist of over 30 hours of audio. This includes 9 to 15 songs, an audiobook-style retailing of our world's history along with the score or background music from each episode from the Ember Witch Saga. Each EP or album's music also tells a story through the music itself. And for my listeners who are unfamiliar with the Ember Witch Saga, what would this story be about? My EP Rain Dance is the story of me getting over a very long and abusive relationship. I am one of the oldest beings on Haven, the planet I reside on. I had witnessed countless wars and participated in horrific events due to this relationship. So this EP is my way of putting my heart out there, to tell the world that I am no longer the same person. I wanted to create something that could show how it is possible to heal even after going through trauma. It is a bit ironic for someone like me to say I'm a person because you'd think. She's just a droid, she has no feelings or emotions, she's made out of metal and has a robotic voice. However I was actually born human and had my soul transferred into a robotic body. I can feel and understand emotions. 
This is why Rain Dance is such an important release for me. It is the first time that I am putting something out from the heart instead of Ember. How do you split the creative work? Does one of you take on the instrumental while the other works on lyrics, or do both of you have a hand in everything? So Ember is the primary artist. She composes and produces everything. I am more of the singer between the two of us. Sometimes I will give input on things or compose my own songs however Ember is the main creative force behind everything. Rain Dance was produced by her however I wrote and composed one of the songs long before I had met her. It is however being released under my name because it is my story to tell. I did have Ember feature in one song as a credited artist, which is my favorite song off of the EP. The song itself leans more into her style of music which is metal. So then, what would you say is the genre of the rest of the EP? The whole EP is an EDM release, it's all dance music with synthwave and some rap and hip-hop influences as well. So having Ember feature on a track with her metal influences was something I really wanted to do. I love pulling from different genres and experimenting with different sounds. During the writing process Ember wanted it to be an upbeat yet dark and foreboding tune. So I wrote the lyrics around my anger and anxiety I have over everything I went through and Ember nailed it with the guitar work and aggression we wanted to put across with the song. That's a really interesting point you had there about mixing musical genres. If you had to choose, who are your biggest musical inspirations? That is a difficult question to answer. You see Ember and I have a very similar taste in music. She got me into metal really early into our relationship. So I started to dive deep into the metalcore, post-hardcore and deathcore genres. Some examples being Bring Me the Horizon, The Devil Wears Prada, Enter Shikari and A Day to Remember. Although A Day to Remember just put out an album that's horrible so that was disappointing. Oh, oof. We actually take influence from those bands and try to combine them with our own styles. Like adding in some dark lyrics to a poppy sounding track or to use guitars and other aggressive synths as a bassline for the more dance-like tracks. Both Bring Me The Horizon and Enter Shikari take influence from electronic music like dubstep, drum and bass and EDM and combine it with metal and rock influences so we try to do the same. So would it be accurate to say that you're going for kind of a mix of light and dark? Absolutely. With all the events that happened in my life I have seen a lot of dark things and I have done things that I am not proud of. So we wanted to pull those dark things to shed light on them. That way when we retell the history of our world through the Ember Witch Saga our people can understand the positions we are in. And what are those positions? Ember is the princess of the Elven Kingdom. She is third in line to the throne and I was used as the springboard for the technology of the world. We are both in a position of power and influence so we both have our reasons to expose the darkness at the heart of our world so that our people are no longer living in ignorance to the true history that shaped Haven. So I asked you about light and dark earlier, but I'm also getting a magic versus technology vibe here. Is duality in general a prominent theme in you and Ember's music? Definitely. For you to fully understand the theme of duality within the Ember Witch Saga I do have to tell you a story so bear with me here. Take all the time you need. Thousands of years ago a human woman gained the power of a creature we refer to as a lich. She was able to use a power we called color. A form of magic essentially. Humans however couldn't use magic. It was a power they were not given by the gods. This woman lived a double life, 
she had children, she had no responsibilities like worrying about a kingdom and its people, however she gained the powers of a mage. She was responsible for the downfall of color and the rise of technology in our world. The duality here being that during the day she was a normal mother but at night an undead monster capable of destroying anything in her path. So yes duality is a major theme to the Ember Witch Saga. We try to show that there is light and dark to everything. Both good and bad, however there is also grey as well. A middle ground. We like to dive deep into the light and dark of every event in our world's history and music as well as that grey. We have softer songs alongside heavier songs, we make songs that balance both extremes to form that grey middle ground. Would you be okay with giving us an example of that? The first song I released from Rain Dance, Resonance, has a lighter more upbeat tone to it in regards to its instrumentation however the lyrics are darker in tone dealing with the abuse and mental pain I felt during my previous relationship. So we try to keep duality in everything we do by standing on that middle ground while fusing the light and dark together. Over the past few years both Ember and I have come to the realization that even though I am no longer a living being and she can live for around 200 years we are two halves of one whole. I am able to recount the history of our world and she is able to tell it to our people and have them believe it. We live in symbionts with each other. I love that sentiment about you and Ember being two halves of a whole. I really want to take a quick look at Resonance and how it has that same duality, kind of putting it into a grey zone. Do you have any songs on this album that are in the grey zone in a more blended together way, with both the instrumental and vocals being grey? The second single I released Dream Weaver is in that grey area. It does skew a bit darker than grey but it is in that grey middle ground. I actually wrote it a long long time ago. During that time I was trapped in another world essentially. A group of adventurers had rescued me from a very dark place both physically and emotionally. I had written the song long before I had met my ex. The lyrics deal with my immortality due to having a robotic body and how I get these feelings of wanting to pass on and become one with the void. Ah. Like I said it is darker than grey but it also deals with the beauty of death. In death one is laid in the ground and from their passing life springs forth. A being may pass on but in their place another will rise. So it's a song about feeling the desire to die but the joy of knowing that when one does more life will rise. You know it's really interesting to hear your perspective on death. As a mortal being living among other mortal beings, we tend to consider death as, you know, kind of the darkest possible thing. Hearing it placed into this sort of life cycle context in which death is a necessary component of life, you know, it really adds some light into it. That being said, the majority of my listeners are mortal, so I do want to ease the death tension a little bit. Let's do one last question, just something fun. If you could collaborate with any musician in the world, who would you team up with? I actually have two picks, is that okay? Yeah, totally, go for it. My first would be Oliver Sykes from Bring Me the Horizon because one he is super cute and two because his voice is just amazing. My second pick would be Utsupi the Vocaloid metal producer because his music has been a major influence on me. He was actually the reason why Ember pushed me into singing because he uses Vocaloids which have a robotic voice as I do. Alright, that should be everything. Thank you for joining me on my podcast today Rose, it was great to have you. Thank you so much for having me on, it was a blast. Rose's EP Rain Dance will be available on all major streaming platforms as well as on her Bandcamp. 
Just search R0-S3 and you should find her right away. If you're interested in hearing Rose's story, check out the Ember Witch Saga, spelled E-Y-M-B-R-V-V-I-T-C-H, available pretty much anywhere you've listened to podcasts. To tie this back into my podcast theme, I'd highly recommend both to fans of narrative K-pop, especially Luna. The fact that this EP ties into an external podcast is sure to appeal to those who took part in the Lunaverse ARG. Musically, I recommend this to fans of Dreamcatcher's particular mix of rock and EDM, as well as the dark EDM stylings of a recently debuted group, Pixie. There's just one more thing to take care of before we end today's show. You know it, you'll love it. It's time to spin the Wheel of Segments. And this week's segment is... Lightning Round. Yes, I know I just said we'd return to familiarity, but trust me, this segment's gonna be a lot of fun. Lightning Round is a brand new segment where I cover the songs I left on the cutting room floor. Let's lay out some ground rules. 20 songs to review. 10 words each, not counting introducing the song. Songs will be listed in ascending order of favoritism, and for efficiency's sake, only the last one will be represented on the YouTube playlist. And lastly, while I'll be featuring recently released songs as per usual in later Lightning Round segments, just for funsies, this one will focus on songs released during my hiatus. Alright, enough chatter, let's start the segment. Ready, set, go! Number 20, Satang Mogule by Hee Hee, 550 views on local high records. Super cute and sweet in vocals, instrumental, and general composition. Number 19, The Hill of Wind by Zan Hyang. 1800 views on Warner Music Korea, a peaceful springtime song combining piano and traditional Korean instruments. Number 18, I'm Not Bad by ONL, 1000 views on Music and New, powerful emotional vocals combined with a playful and jazzy instrumental. Number 17, Escape by Pin, 3.5k views on Warner Music Korea, if Wonder Girls' Why So Lonely was a dark concept. Number 16, Nightmare by Kisnoe. 10k views on Stomi's Entertainment. Soft up-tempo rock with soft vocals and catchy melodies. Number 15, Mandarin by Owler featuring Austin. 3.8k views on Genie Music. Chill, summery acoustic guitar with lo-fi elements in the percussion. Number 14, Yay Yay by Rainbow Note. 7,000-ish views on Stomi's Entertainment. It fills me with nostalgia for old-fashioned cute concepts. Number 13, Foolish by Jay Yuna, 45k views on One the K and 970 views on Label GS. A guitar-based song reminiscent of 2013 Western pop radio. Number 12, White Light by Lonalog featuring Nodi Sika, 2.9k views on Super Soundbugs and just 40 views on Local High Records. A powerful ballad combining piano, electric guitar, and strong vocals. Number 11, Slipped by Han Sangdo, 2200 views on Super Soundbugs and 300 views on his official YouTube channel. An all instrumental extended bass solo at a breakneck pace. Number 10, I Miss You by Joe Hang Ho and Kim Min Jin, 6000 views on Genie Music. A soothing instrumental with powerful vocals and sick accordion accents. Number 9, Woohoo Song by Rafina and Kavi, 2.7k views on So Music Entertainment. A haunting, reverberating sound with great synthwave, almost webcore vibes. Number 8, Repeat by Your Beagle featuring Kid Wine, 7,000 views on Your Beagle's official YouTube channel. A chill and almost melancholy song in Your Beagle's signature style. Number 7, State by Odal, produced by Dot5, 
3K views on music and new. Grinding synths, electric guitar, plucked bass, and a powerful growl. Number 6. Zess, spelled X-E-S, by Sun. 850 views on music and new. Peacefully NSFW lyrics and an instrumental perfect for the campfire. Number 5. Dawn by Ye. 47k views on Stone Music Entertainment. A dreamy combination of voice-like synths, reverb, and trap percussion. Number 4. It's My Turn by Time Walker. 750 views on music and new. Electric guitar, 80s pop percussion stylings, great for road trips. Number 3. Inside by Kimbo. 7.9k views on Super Soundbugs and 86k views on Kimbo's official YouTube channel. If Sunmi, Siren, and Mamamoo's Want to Be Myself fused together. Number 2. Parties Are Over by Minute and Avokid. 2,000 views on Genie Music. A travel-worthy tune like Everglow's Hush and Yezzy's Home. And number 1. Law by Eldon. 6,000 views on Super Soundbugs. Bouncy but still dark-toned R&B with great pre-chorus drops. And with that, we end episode 1 of Primem's Playlist Season 3. If you enjoyed this episode, check out the original songs at bit.ly slash pmp underscore s3e1. All letters capital, all numbers numerals. If you want to say hello, you can find me on Instagram at primms underscore playlist, Twitter at playlistprim, or on the official Primms Playlist YouTube channel. Links to everything can be found at linktree slash primsplaylist. That's linktr.ee slash primmsplaylist. Primm's Playlist is a proud member of BrainRap Presents. For more information, visit brainrapresents.wixsite.com landing. If you'd like to support our podcasts, consider donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash brainrot underscore prsnts. Only $2 a month for Discord access and longer episodes, $5 a month for shoutouts and early episodes, plus bonuses for all our other podcasts. Shout out to our $5 plus tier Patreon supporters, Adrian Frisbee, Saffron, Emery Silvers, Jupiter McIntyre, Prozac Haven, and Delane Bouchamp. You make this podcast possible. Thanks for jamming with me today.